Welcome to Scandal.K12.us. Our Scandal K12 curriculum is a true crime comedy podcast about bamboozling boards, sneaky superintendents, lame learning products, and teachers who are way too cool for school. Listener discretion is always advised. Now sharpen those pencils since today you're going to want to take a lot of notes. Everything in life is on a standardized test and the answer is always 42. And now, time for morning announcements. Good morning, Scandal K-12 students, home of the Fighting Rats. Go Rats! Let's stand for the state anthem. Oh boy, enough of that. Thanks, Scandal K-12 Glee Club. You really outdid yourselves there. See you at yard time. When people think of California, they certainly think of uncontrolled wildfire and bumper-to-bumper traffic. But in California, you can also find cryptids such as Bigfoot, the Borrego Sandman, El Chupacabra, Riverside Bridge Monster, Santa Cruz Sea Serpent, Tessie, as well as supposed non-cryptids Johnny Depp, Renee Witherspoon, Haley Berry, Christian Bale, and Kim Kardashian. Some of those I'd rather not meet in a dark forest, but thankfully with the fires, there's no more dark forests. Remember, there's a two-hour delay schedule due to the weather, so classes will start three minutes later and end 7,896 seconds sooner than a regular B-Day schedule. We want to give a big hand to Joseph Hoag, director of Los Gatos Youth Theater and a longtime fifth-grade teacher at Blossom Hill Elementary School in Los Gatos. Apparently, quarantine and Zoom meetings were not slowing down the alleged less than appropriate behavior with students. According to WPIX5, UHV Digital Channel 29 for listeners in sad motels, the Bay Area station people are talking about. It looks like the thespian will have to yes and his way out of his current improv situation. Investigators claim to have discovered evidence of a plethora of behavior indicative of a pedophile after a number of complaints from students and parents led them to his house and a trove of VHS tapes of youth doing yoga or sports. In addition to using superannuated technology, and perhaps more damning, Hogue has also been accused of asking students to show him their underwear or stomachs on Zoom calls. Once again, a teacher doesn't know how to use technology. To use Zoom correctly, you can be in your underpants on a call as long as no one sees. However, you never, ever, ever ask your participants to show you that they are in their underwear because they probably are in their underwear. And you're going to lose a trove of vintage yoga tapes when they wind up in the evidence room just for asking them. Hey everyone, Punch and Judy tryouts are in the gym today. Don't forget to have your parent or guardian sign your permission slip or just sign the name of the form in the bathroom like a regular kid. You know no one ever checks. Let's think for a moment about what's going on with students at Landmark Middle School in Moreno Valley, California, where a month after a boy died during an assault, two girls, ages 12 and 13, were arrested for viciously attacking another student at lunch. This new assault opened an old wound. A student, identified only as Diego, was mortally injured after escalating bullying by a group of honor students led to a physical altercation. According to PE.com, the largest news service of the Inland Empire in Southern California delivering free news and embedded cookies, officials had no warning signs before the students allegedly attacked their classmate. During the altercation, the student unfortunately fell and seriously injured his head, resulting in permanent brain damage. After the recent assault, hundreds of angry parents attended a meeting at Landmark on Wednesday night yelling and screaming at officials and one another with a few minor altercations spilling out into the parking lot as they demanded answers to why their kids yell, scream, and are so very, very, very angry. 
When people think of California, they certainly think of uncontrolled wildfires and bumper-to-bumper traffic, but in California you can also find cryptids, such as Bigfoot, Borrego Sandman, El Chupacabra, Riverside Bridge Monster, Santa Cruz Sea Serpent, Tessie, as well as supposed non-cryptids, Johnny Depp, Haley Berry, Christian Bale, and Kim Kardashian, Some of those I'd rather not meet in a dark forest, but thankfully, with the fires, there are no more dark forests. Remember, students, this is a two-hour delay schedule due to the weather, so classes will start three minutes later and end 7,896 seconds sooner than a regular B-Day schedule. We want to give a big hand to Joseph Hogue, director of the Los Gatos Youth Theater and a longtime fifth grade teacher at Blossom Elementary School in Los Gatos. Apparently, quarantine and Zoom meetings were not slowing down his alleged less-than-appropriate behavior with students. According to WPIX5 UHF Digital Channel 29 for listeners in sad divorced dad motels, the Bay Area station people are talking about. It looks like this thespian will have to yes-and his way out of his current improv situation. Investigators claim to have discovered evidence of a plethora of behavior indicative of a pedophile after a number of complaints from students and parents led them to his house on a trove of VHS tapes of youth doing yoga or sports. In addition to using superannuated technology, and of course perhaps more dooming, Tog was accused of asking students to show him their underwear or stomachs on these Zoom calls. Once again, a teacher does not know how to use technology. To use Zoom correctly, you can be in your underpants on a call as long as no one sees it. However, you never, ever ask your participants to show you their underwear because they probably are in their underwear. And what'll happen is you'll lose your trove of vintage yoga tapes that will wind up in an evidence room just for asking that question. Students, Punch and Judy tryouts are in the gym today. Don't forget to have your parent or guardian sign your permission slip or just sign the name on the form in the bathroom like a regular kid. You know no one ever checks. If you think you're cut above, consider Margaret Gesinger, formerly of University Preparatory High School, a charter school in Visalia, California, situated on the campus of Sequoia University in a nine-minute walk from the closest Taco Bell. Apparently, Miss Gessinger wanted to moonlight as a Harry Carey, Haro Haro hairdresser, and in a surprise move announced to her students in science class that today was haircut day. Miss Gessinger, known affectionately as Miss G by her students, had become increasingly bizarre in her behavior over the previous week, and had, at other times in her teaching career, actually been suspended for unusual outbursts. According to the staff writer, who happened to be scheduled to write five fast facts you need to know at heavy.com that day, Miss G called upon a student, a foreign exchange student who was then living in her house, to sit, to sit at the head of the class, and then instructed the class to rise. Rise, this is how we do it, she said, and started yell-singing the Star-Spangled Banner while chopping off his hair. One media-savvy student happened to capture this performance on a cell phone and posted the then-viral video to Twitter with the tag, Good to see that UPHS is still hiring qualified teachers. Let's hope they keep this one. The video has been viewed almost 100,000 times since then. Perhaps cell phones used in class is exactly what may have pushed Mrs. G over the edge. Allegedly, she had become extremely frustrated the week before with the rampant cell phone use in her class, to which parents then complained to the administration and she got in trouble. She was also angry at her exchange student living in her house who was acting like a quote-unquote ding-dong. Maybe it was that or the stress of work in general. One student told ABC30, as reported by Insider.com, and then of course re-reported by us, I know that on Monday, she had another freakout because a test was missing or something. Mrs. G accused the students of taking the test.
By taking the test, the university preparatory high school student meant take as a synonym for abscond, or something. Many of us in the field already know that teaching is often a death by a thousand small cuts, so perhaps this ground mal freakout in class was the culmination of so many other stresses in her professional and personal life. Whatever the cause for the otherwise good-natured and caring pedagogue, Mrs. G was arrested and released on $100,000 bail and has her license to teach suspended and was remanded to a mental health facility. While Mrs. G's sister and husband have stood by her saying she needs help, She's charged with a number of very serious offenses and may face up to four years in jail. Posted by semi-anonymous poster Bud Simpson on the absolute toilet that as ABC Go's story common featured, powered by discus, the most criminal act she committed was singing the national anthem. That was not a good voice, and she didn't get the words correct either. To which user Joey Smith responded, Man, you haven't heard many NFL pregame renditions of the anthem. Have you? You want to talk about butchery? Go listen to that. Empathy is in short supply, and indeed, so is our national attitude towards mental health. Taking care of one's well-being is important so that you can handle all the little slings and arrows that life may send your way. There are many self-care routines that can lead to a calmer inner life and allow you to maintain a healthy outlook and positive work ethic. According to EverydayHealth.com, owners of the media property Lonely Girl 15 a hoax wellness vlogger who dealt with mundane teenage problems, there are several key tips to achieving inner peace. Advice includes that you start by writing down as many things as you can think of that bring you joy, whether it's the color purple, receiving back rubs, springtime, certain smells, or essential oils. You may also find a hobby such as milk bottle collecting, competitive dog grooming, or train spotting. Or perhaps you need some external thrill to get that internal calm. If so, perhaps you need to consider gambling. And not just the state lottery once a week, but high-stakes crap tables, the thrill of million-dollar poker, the endless potential of the modern slot machines. One instance of getting salvation through smashing the pay line on hit-and-run pokies are two nuns who came to love Jesus and Jackpot. We will follow these disordered nuns in an episode we're calling scandal.k12.us forward slash jackpotjesus. The order that these sisters belong to are known better for their work in education and health care and their opposition to the death penalty. This very old Jesuit-adjacent order came to this nation very early on in our history. Most of the congregation are known for their good works. Well, they're actually forgotten for their good works, since when was the last time you saw a headline, None Helps Community Garden, in GQ, Rolling Stone, or the Mercury Times? Well-behaved women rarely make history. One such alleged misbehaving sister who made history is Sister Mary Margaret. Sister Margaret moved to L.A. to work with the St. James Catholic School in Torrance in 1988, having worked at a number of similar schools for the previous 20 years, including schools in Washington State, Idaho, and in Las Vegas. It may have been her time in Las Vegas where the Lord came to her in mysterious ways, revealing himself to be a Las Vegas strip and endless craft tables. Perhaps that's where she got her gambling... I'm sorry... Wait for it. Um, habit. Maybe it was from scripture itself that taught her the love of stand or hit. As said in Luke 12:15, Take care and be on your guard against all covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. Which in some interpretations perhaps means when a slot machine is hot, 
the payout's gonna be maximum. Or perhaps it's because while most temporal laws forbid the old hand in the proverbial cookie jar, canon law, that's the set of rules that guide the Catholic Church, unfortunately doesn't say anything about misappropriation. According to Father Francis Morrissey, a canon lawyer, professor of canon law, and frequent author on Catholic issues, there is one line that says a parish priest can be removed for bad financial administration, but that's it. Now, if you remember on the BBC TV show Father Ted, that is what got Father Ted in trouble, having money just resting in his account. Go on. No, 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 really, I should. Ah, go on, go on, go on. <laughs> But this is not television. So with nothing in scripture or in canon about laying down a four of a kind or a full house or getting to the table to fold when all you have is a pair, she said about resting money in her bank account, let's go. Perhaps it's because of a lifetime of good deeds, but little is reported of Sister Mary Margaret in her early life. A graduate of Mount St. Mary's College in Los Angeles, Sister Mary Margaret took the helm of St. James School as principal and ruled as you might expect from a nun, with austere strictness, withering side-eyes, and lots of disappointment in your life choices. He wouldn't want to be like Mr. Bungle. Later, Miss Brown said it was time for the children who ate in the cafeteria to go to lunch. She hoped there weren't any Mr. Bungles in this room. But Sister Mary Margaret, she did have a purpose, and that was to keep the school in good working order, hire and fire staff, and raise a lot of money from parents since then, as today, diocesan schools are bleeding money. One of the reasons Catholic schools are on the ropes is, of course, that with a more secular society, attendance at formal churches is down. There's also more private school options for parents who wish to, um, we'll say separate, or um, dare we say, deintegrate their children from the public schools. As secular institutions, charter schools, private schools, and so forth have more access to public funds and foundations and nonprofits are more willing to pass along money without the social political baggage of many religious institutions that they've acquired over the many, many, many centuries, the Catholic schools are hurting. Also, there's a very real drain on resources from the ongoing sex scandals that continue to hit various dioceses and divert resources both to legal teams, court fees, and victim compensation funds for which in Los Angeles Archdiocese in 2007 was a whopping $660 million in settlements, and it's already over 10 years later, and that money continues to bleed out. Holy see, I told you not to do that, Monsignor Batman. Much of the money in various archdioceses comes from historical momentum, from, from a time when the church could keep it in their cassocks, or at least not pay out of pocket for transgressions of the flesh. Money also came from investments over time, as well as the tithe from the laity, money given by each parish to help the overall mission, and of course, rich benefactors. The mission of the church allowed much of the institution, including schools, to be staffed by religious, or those working directly for the church, since this was a vocation or calling, not a job. Most Catholic schools were staffed by nuns, and occasionally brothers, and while these individuals received a stipend, it was by no means a salary. They typically got room and board from their order, living in the convent or the uh, brothery or whatever they might call it, and they had just a little pocket change to spend in the commissary on rosaries or medallions or perhaps a blanket. If it sounded like prison, there's a reason the room of such devotees was called a cell. It's not because it looked like a room at La Quinta Inn. As times changed and there was a dwindling vocation, many Catholic schools lost their religious members as they aged out or retired, died or were spirited away by the police after yet another allegation of some sort. 
Sister Mary Margaret was the only member of the religious community at the school for some time before Sister Lana Chang showed up to work at the school, which made Sister Mary Margaret very important and allowed time to become very entrenched and take total control. While you could say there was a fellow congregant at her school, there really was no one else of her rank who could check her power. So for almost 30 years, she turned the school into a fiefdom and also, according to prosecutors, her official offertory. That is a plate used for collecting money for you heathens out there. And that's a lot of holy lucre to be raised. And where there are real bills to be paid at a school that had a staff of lay persons, that is teachers who are not officially part of the order since they had families, houses to go to, much of this tuition went to their salaries. Other expenses added up quickly, and the school was always needing parents to go that extra mile. Parents had to volunteer for duties as well as were expected to be part of various fundraisers, which strangely enough seemed to feature gambling quite a bit. According to an article in Gentleman's Quarterly, a magazine now published monthly, at one fundraiser, a parent was not at all terribly surprised when he got cleaned out by a nun at poker, or at least by that particular nun. A few of the parents, maybe a lot of them, had long suspected Sister Mary Margaret was a gambler, and probably a competent one. It also seemed, and there were rumors for a time, that Sister Mary Margaret and Sister Lana Chang traveled to Vegas with some frequency. Perhaps it was a craps table, the poker, blackjack, pie gal, Yablon, Spanish 21, Sick Bow, Pie Gow, or Mississippi Stud that drew her there to take those many dollars scrounged together by parents to prepare competent and caring Catholic citizens at the school and turn it into yet another profitable quarter for MGM Resorts International or Red Rock Resorts Incorporated yearly dividend, whichever came first. There's no definitive record of these trips the sisters took, so these vacations can only be left to the imagination. Oh, we were somewhere around Bartow, on the edge of the desert, when the Holy Spirit began to take hold. I remember saying something like, oh, I feel a little lightheaded. Maybe you should drive and toss the wheel to Sister Chang. Suddenly, oh my, there was a terrible roar around us, and the sky was full of what looked like huge bats, all swooping and screeching and diving around the car, and the voice was screaming, holy Jesus, what are these goddamn animals? I imagine they got into Vegas a short four-and-a-half-hour drive from the school without any traffic to park their 1961 Black DeSoto half on the sidewalk, half in the street, in front of the Tropicana, opening the door, and rosaries and beer cans are falling out and clanking and tumbling around the ground. Oh, hey, Sister Chang, we can't be late to the Judas Priest show up playing in Hollywood. You know, Father Priest was so cross when last time we didn't catch the opening acts. Sadly, their antics probably were not that interesting. Perhaps they parked a perfectly normal car in a lot, shuffled up in tan polyester slacks, and laid it down on some seat in front of a slot machine and started punching buttons between visiting the buffets. Whatever they did, it cost a lot of money, and they, the school, and the good sisters of the congregation of the sisters of St. Joseph of Cardinalet had nothing to show for it at the end of perhaps close to 30 years of this. The thing is, unless you're a devoted gambler, casinos are a really boring place. There's no sunlight, there's just endless rows of flashing machines, wah, 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 watered-down drinks, here, you want another round? Really, they are the temples of sadness for some poor lost souls just mindlessly pushing away at the slots, slumped against their jazzy, cigarette in one hand, drink in the other. I really wish we weren't describing a real sight scene in the casinos of Atlantic City, New Orleans, Baltimore... Edmonton, Sioux City, well, just about anywhere. Everything must come to an end. 
and I turned to see the voice that spake to me, and being turned I saw seven golden candlesticks stuffed into the bag of Sister Mary Margaret as she left the school, having with her fellow sister retired from running the school. This retirement triggered a routine audit, but it was not the audit that found the seven golden candlesticks from the Book of Revelations missing, but a parent filing their own taxes and afraid their deductions would be questioned by the IRS. To see more how this audit turns out for the good sisters, stick with us after the break. The second half of tonight's reading will resume after the intermission. I'm not going to say Sister Act or Nuns on the Run or The Sound of Prison Bars. Those are cheap shots. Let's get back to the story. So what happens in Vegas doesn't always stay in Vegas. I mean, your money stays there, but syphilis and larceny, they stick to you like glue. According to Gentleman's Quarterly Magazine, it was a happenstance that one of the St. James families needed a copy of an old tuition check. When we got that check, Monsignor Myers said at a meeting, it was noticed that the endorsement on the back was not at all for the St. James School account. It was an account nobody knew about. Yes, it seems that the best place to hide money is in accounts no one knows about. Apparently, the sisters used a long-forgotten church bank account that was opened in 1997. Since they couldn't identify other accounts, remember, a lot of those fundraisers were donations and cash from parents, the records of the account in question were not even accessible prior to 2012. So that's more than 10 years of financial hooliganism that can't be determined. We don't know what sort of criminal mastermindery Sister Mary Margaret learned at Mount St. Mary's College in Los Angeles, but it was enough to fool an entire school community, more than one Monsignor, and whatever diocesan accountants had ever checked the books in 30 years. Perhaps she needs to also thank St. Matthew the Apostle, patron saint of financial matters. This has definitely been shocking to the entire school and parish community. Adrian Olicarn, head of media relations for the Archdiocese, said in an overwhelming understatement, You know, we sat there day after day in class being berated verbally what to do, what to say, what to wear, and how to act by Sister Mary Margaret and Sister Lana, who were telling us we did everything wrong. Former student Brenda Walsh complained, Yet there they were, committing federal crimes and stealing our parents' hard-earned money for their personal benefit. The school was rolled by this revelation, not just that money had been absconded, but that a sacred trust had been broken, parent Jenny Garth told the church officials. Whether you want to believe it or not, this has now become part of their education. St. James School has taught them that their moral superiors are not, in fact, superior. Sister Dorothy Heiderschelt a scholar of religion and a nun of a different order says, The perception is that religious communities are like a professional organization, so if a member does something wrong, you fire them. But religious communities are more like a marriage. It's not just the member's profession to the community. The community also makes a profession to the individual. The Sisters of St. Joseph of Cardinalette said in their written statement that canonical restrictions had been imposed on Margaret and Chan, and in addition to apologizing, are working hard, doing laundry, and 
cutting lawns and putting in community gardens to pay back as much of the money as they can. Hopefully, they don't become involved in a multi-tiered marketing scheme or some other duplicitous venture. But we are Ontario's leading dating service, and it's actually a fantastic way of meeting quality single people. Uh, we have over 10,000... As for the nuns themselves, they were raptured to a religious institution, and their whereabouts are known only to the temporal lords, the FBI, since while the archdiocese was initially not going to press charges, the case drew enough attention to bounce it out of the ecclesiastical courts and make it far more of an ecumenical matter. While the case continues, no one can imagine anyone is going to send two elderly nuns to prison, no matter how much they might have stolen. The school continues on and has recovered from the financial mess and negative publicity, yet it sadly only gets one and a half stars on Yelp from a review by parent Brenda Walsh claiming, You know, during recess, the boys are not allowed to play with the girls. They're also scheduled to play in a designated area. Once a week, a student is assigned to a play leader position. During recess, this position requires them to remain silent, and they're assigned to watch the opposite gender play and write down any bad things they see. So your child will not have recess during the assigned week and are playing a disciplinary role. I think that's inappropriate. I don't agree with that. I want to talk to your manager. Whatever the outcome of the court case, the school's image has been tarnished but may recover in time. Parent Dylan McKay voiced what may be a sentiment held by many parents. That is a desire for both sisters to say they're freaking sorry for being full of shit. That's what I want. That's what the kids deserve. While Sister Mary Margaret is known for her financial crimes in popular media, she is perhaps more important for the termination of a fifth grade teacher who had to take an extended leave of absence due to a cancer diagnosis. At the time, Sister Mary Margaret claimed that this termination fell under the purview of her institution, but unfortunately, in the United States, employment is tied to health care, and of course health care is tied to how long we live. Sister Mary Margaret claimed that this was not discrimination because all teachers are ministers, and ministers are not covered by typical laws that govern employment discrimination in the United States. The case was appealed and tried again and moved its way through the courts, as a lot of lawyers were trying to use this to promote a more secular understanding of employment. And this case ultimately went all the way up to the Supreme Court, where in a 5-7 to seven ruling, the court sided with the religious exemption. Justices Sonia Sotomayor and Ruth Bader Ginsburg were the dissenting voices in this case. We would like to imagine that Sister Mary Margaret is perhaps somewhere in front of a crap table, shooting a couple of hot dice. Maybe she's betting it all on red, pushing the chips forward. Perhaps she's just getting a lukewarm plate at a Tuesday night buffet and plopping down some serving of bland food, the sort that goes well with watery drinks and endless addiction. There was no point in fighting on our side or theirs. We had all the momentum. We were riding the crest of a high and beautiful wave. So now, less than five years later, you can go up to a steep hill in Las Vegas and look west. And with the right kind of eyes, you can almost see the high water mark. That place where the wave finally broke and rolled back.
A lot of religious and lay people involved in Catholic schools do great work, and not every nunner priest is a trifling philandering embezzler, but a few are. Many Catholic schools offer an affordable private option for parents and provide a quality education in neighborhoods where this is not attainable. That said, the lack of curriculum or financial oversight can lead to many issues, let alone high crimes and misdemeanors and, of course, sins. As we heard today of one such sin is gambling. Gambling addiction can take many forms and doesn't mean you're at the slot machine all day or down at the OTB sniffing glue and betting on ponies, although that can happen too. Gambling addiction can take silent forms too. Spending more than you budgeted on lottery tickets, disinterested from activities, unless there's money at stake, or using your kid's college tuition to buy scratch-offs at the bodega and spending your winnings on more scratch-offs and more tickets. If you feel uncomfortable with your gambling behavior or know someone you love who has a problem or have a parish priest or Ursline sister that suffers from gambling addiction, you can still use the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration hotline found at SAM. HSA.gov or call 1 800 622 HELP. That's 4357. This service is in English and Spanish. Now, one last announcement. Next week is Old Sweater Day, but also do wear pants. Shout out to parents of Plaza Vista School in Irvine, California. Thanks to 2020 and abcnews.go.com, we learned that the head of the school PTA and the volunteer director of the after-school classroom enrichment program, Kelly Peters, was hauled out of school and perp-walked her car in front of students in order to explain why a Ziploc bag with 17 grams of marijuana and one hitter, plus two smaller easy-dose pill pouch baggies with 11 Percocet pills and 29 Vicodin pills were in her car. Police were alerted to the presence of these narcotics by an anonymous caller, and Kelly was shocked but soon suspected that two parents, lawyers Kent and Jill Easter, who she had reprimanded for picking up their kid late from after school a few months earlier, had dropped a dime on her. While Kelly had moved to Irvine to enjoy a master-planned city where bars and liquor stores, pawn shops, and homeless shelters had been methodically purged, where neighborhoods were regulated by noise ordinances, lawn length requirements, and mailbox uniformity rules, she fell victim to exactly the sort of people who create such a master-planned community, namely wealthy, fastidious, obsessive, alpha-domineering people steeping in their own secret stash of pee jars and anosonostia, the inability to be aware of one's own mental illness. Through several court appearances, lawsuits, there's further side stories, and enough material to spawn several Lifetime movies, Kelly's name has been cleared and she can return to working full-time at no pay since in her lawsuit against a tardy power couple, she was awarded damages totaling $5.7 million. With that sort of money, perhaps she can finally move out of that bland landscape of Stepford Wives and beige strip malls and pick up a little... Five-bedroom, six-bath, 6,700-square-foot house in San Marino and add a little flavor to her life. There are far too many sources of sites, so verified media links will be placed in our podcast page. Special thanks to the Gentleman's Quarterly Magazine. While reviewing the best metrosexual cocktails and romp hymns, there's also quality and entertaining journalism. If you have an educational scandal about something going on in your school or district that you think needs to be shared, send it to Scandal k12us at gmail.com. We can't do a bake sale, so we have a Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash scandal k12us. We have school choice at the Scandal K-12 community. You can enroll at the public school level, where for $5 a month, you'll receive a shout out to your home school or the school of your choice and early access to episodes. You can also join at the charter school, private school, or homeschool levels and receive benefits, 
some of which we're still building out. While we primarily rely on trusted edited sources, we may also use the information found on citizen journalist websites such as blogs and forums. All parties are presumed innocent unless proven guilty in a court of law. All opinions are the opinion of the opinionator, and facts are reviewed but not guaranteed because sometimes we just don't do our homework. Thanks to all the contributors on the Freesound Project at freesound.org. Credits will be listed on our website, www.scandalk12us.com. If you like what you hear, rate us highly on whatever platform you access podcasts on, whether it's Apple or Stitcher or Spotify or is there another one? Also, please recommend us to the friends you sit with at the lunch table or the popular kids you want to impress. I'm sure a few jocks need to hear this too. Remember the saying, tell me and I forget. Teach me and I remember. Screw me over and you're on scandal.k12.us. Now, maybe it's because you've been so busy with the so-called rat race that you fail to depend on the Lord for things that are more important. Now, look, Dad, there are certain things that you can't depend on the Lord for. Is that so?